Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. I'm very excited for today's guest. It's his first time on my show. It is Cody McBroom. Welcome. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I've been really enjoying your content. I feel like a lot of our messages are pretty similar. And um, one recent post that really made me want to reach out to you was this post about how in-person training just because you get your certification doesn't mean you're ready to be a trainer. And I was like, wow, somebody finally said it, finally said that being a CPT isn't enough to be a great coach. So that was just such a great post that you did. Thank you. Yeah. I think, uh, I legitimately think my mom could pass the CPT course for some of these, like she's not a trainer. Um, now I have it because I think you need it to legally do some of the stuff, but it, it doesn't impress me because I think that there's so much more involved in becoming educated enough and experienced enough to actually earn the right to coach people. Totally. Yeah. And I think that experience is so important. Don't get me wrong, guys. Like I also have my CPT. Um, my undergrad was in exercise science. So then people will be like, did you study for your CPT? I'm like, no, I just went in and I took it and I passed. Um, I would hope that if that was your undergrad, you could go in and just take it and pass. Mm-hmm. But I, I still felt like I didn't know it all, you know, and still to this day, I don't know it all because you should be constantly learning as a coach and as a trainer and in the world of fitness and nutrition, things are always changing. There's always something new. There's always something that will be great that will now be old or not the best solution for certain problems. And so you have to stay on top of it. You can't just get your CBT, cap out your education and say, I'm done learning at this point. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think that, you know, there's more and more readily available resources that allow you to to keep up with everything. I mean, the amount of research reviews and stuff like that that are out, if you just invest a little bit of money every month into these different research reviews or subscriptions or or, um, courses and workshops, I mean, you can consistently stay up to date on the latest science and research going into the field. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you're going to fall behind because it is one of the most um, evolving fields there are, especially the last like probably like three to five years when the evidence-based community really kind of exploded. There's just been so much more research and funding into research going on that so much of it has been exposed and has allowed us to up our game so much that um, you really do. You got to stay on top of so much of it in order to to keep growing and learning. And a lot of the, I mean, speaking of CPTs and the general certs, um, it's kind of like, uh, it's not as bad probably, but it's kind of like doctors. There's a lot of doctors that really don't know that much. And it's because they studied this 20 years ago and they read a textbook that was already old and hasn't been updated. And they don't consistently educate themselves with the latest research and they fall behind and, and you get recommendations. And I've gotten arguments with general physicians that I just, I'm like, I can't even believe you're recommending this. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not like the smartest, but there are people who fall behind. And it's the same thing with this. Like a lot of those CPT 
courses are just outdated and they're not up to date with the research. So you got to get it. But I think if you don't continue your education, you're missing a big key to this. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about like what made you want to get involved with fitness? Like what made you want to learn more and start to help others? Because it's kind of a unique, unique thing to fall into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty, my story is pretty funny because um, I actually never stepped foot into a weight room uh, until I was out of high school already. So I didn't like working out. Uh, I did not eat healthy. I was always the heavier kid. Um, I had a growth spurt. I played soccer, so I lost a little bit of weight, but then I uh, tore my meniscus and then the next year my ACL. So I've had knee surgeries and I gained more weight. Um, and I just never was into that stuff. So I was, you know, I graduated high school, was not the best student by any means. And uh, I was just kind of in this place where I'm going to community college for business because my dad basically was like, you have two options, get out of my house or go to community college and do business because I did it. I know it works and it's, it's at least something. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to move out. So I'll go to community college and start studying business. Um, and I, I just didn't, I just didn't like school. I was partying, didn't enjoy it, but I started getting interested in losing weight because I had gained more weight after the knee surgery. Um, and I just felt like shit, to be honest with you. I was, I was overweight. I didn't have the energy I should have um, at 18 years old because I graduated at high school at 17. So I'm young, inactive, unfit, lazy, like, uh, you know, your mind starts going downhill because you're not confident. And so I finally stepped foot in the gym and started trying to do something about it. And I was working out in the college uh, weight room, this old grungy gym. And this guy walks up and he basically was like, hey, I think I can help you do that a little bit better because I'm still working on rehab for my knee because I had my second uh, knee injury right at the end of my high school, uh, my senior year. And uh, I was doing leg extensions and I had a knee brace on, probably not the best thing to do at the time. Yeah, I'm like cringing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was like, I, I think I can help you do that a little bit better. And this was like the functional era, like right in the, the heart of the functional era. Where everything was done on BOSU balls and on stable surfaces, which mm -hmm. is probably not the best either. But um, he walked up, said that, and I kind of just brushed him off. I was like, ah, I'm good, man. I, to me, I just saw a guy that didn't look in shape. He just looks like some old dude. And I was like, I'm cool. He was like, all right, well, I run the, the PT program here. So if you ever want to swing by my class, it's building 123. I'm like, all right. So he leaves. Weeks go by, and I'm sitting in class, and I remember asking the teacher in Business 101 uh, what kind of business he ran before he started teaching business, right? Because I assume you're an entrepreneur or a business owner if you are teaching how to run a business in college. Mm -hmm. And uh, he proceeded to tell me that he never ran a business. He just graduated college and then started teaching here. And I literally just got up and left. I was like, this is ridiculous. So I left in the middle in class. In class you did that? Yeah, in the middle class. I was not a good student. I graduated with D's. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I left. And as I'm walking back to uh, my house, because I lived near, I was going to start leaving. And uh, I was passing that building, 123. And I was like, oh, I'll just pop in. And they had a baby on the projector. And all these lines and kind of diagrams around it and they were going over like a quadruped crawl position and proper movement patterns right and like it just kind of blew my mind because i'd never seen fitness in that way in the way that he was describing it and uh next thing i know i like i basically was just skipping my classes to go to his and then eventually i was like all right i need I, i'm gonna switch my degree so i'm starting to train i'm still a little overweight so i hadn't gotten in shape yet but i was very interested in it and i wanted to change my degrees went home told my parents they said no because I was overweight. I know it's like two weeks into this. They're like, no, like keep going. So I actually ended up just forging my dad's signature. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. So I forged a signature, changed my degrees. Months later, they found out. 
but I just was so passionate about what I was learning. And it was the first time I ever actually liked school and I actually liked learning and expanding my knowledge. And I, I became obsessed. So I ended up losing like 50 pounds, getting in extremely good shape. I was like sitting in front of the class all the time. I would go to his, the, the, the guy who ran the program, he taught most of the classes. I would go to his gym afterwards because he was a rehab specialist. He had a gym at a hospital. And I would basically intern with him after school every day until I got an internship at another place. But it was just kind of this like snowball effect of just becoming honestly obsessed and passionate about training. And uh, eventually I interned for a guy named Luca Hosovar who owns a gym out in Seattle called Bigger Ground. And I uh, interned, then he hired me. And uh, when I applied to intern, I actually told him I wanted to start an online business someday. And uh, at the time there was no, like that wasn't a business model. But I had seen a couple guys that were like basically running blogs and I didn't really know what they did, but they wrote, wrote blogs and they clearly just worked online. And I was like, I want to do what they do. And he was like, all right, well, train people in person for the next five years and you'll earn the right to do that. And I was like, all right. And I worked for him for six and a half years, training people six days a week. I was in the gym every single day. And then uh, I found out my wife, uh, girlfriend at the time was pregnant. We were going to have a kid. And that's when I was like, I need to step out and do this if I'm going to do it. And so in 2017, I quit, put in my notice. I actually stayed for an extra like two to three months to transition all my clients. So I got rid of my entire client roster, went to zero while my wife was just stepping into maternity leave. So it was like, put my back against the wall kind of. Mm -hmm. And I started from scratch and I built my online company um, and it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And now we have myself and nine other trainers and nutritionists that work for me. We have a dietitian on staff, a PhD researcher who does all of our education. He's our chief science officer. Uh, we have a content creator manager who does all of our media and then our admin, of course, uh, as well as a social media uh, manager. She kind of just helps us run some of the content. Um, so we have a big staff. We have coachings, coaches all around the world in different countries, clients everywhere. It's, it's been pretty cool to see it grow. Yeah. And so when you mentioned like you wanted it to be online, do you remember what year that was by chance? So I graduated in 2010 of high school. So it was probably 2012, Okay. actually probably like the end of 2011 going into 2012. Um, yeah, it would have been 2011 because I, I left there in 2015. I worked for him for six and a half years. And in 2011, the only people that were doing anything online, there was some bodybuilding prep coaches who were doing stuff in the forums. So they were just talking to people in like bodybuild.com forums and then other random forums. Um, and then people like uh, Jay Ferugia, Nate Green, John Berardi, who just wrote a lot of content blogs didn't necessarily online coach. I actually still to this day, don't know how they made money back then, but they were primarily making money or generating money through their blog somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and that was about it. Yeah. It could have been one of those like kind of Patreon situations, but a different format. Right. I um, was so similar to that when I was in undergrad, I remember telling my professors that I wanted to do online coaching and um, they thought it was weird. I used to, I had online clients in undergrad and I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how to be organized or anything like that. Um, and I was obsessed with reading bodybuilding.com like during class, which was bad, um, but it all worked out. And oddly enough, one of my professors that I used to challenge him all the time, it was like biomechanics. And I was like, I'm never going to figure out someone's torque movement when they're doing like a baseball swing like it's just not relevant and um he used to like laugh things off and I whenever I would challenge him and oddly enough now he does online coaching and so I think that the online space is so awesome because you can reach so many more people than in person yeah 100 um 
what's pretty crazy too is like for me i know the first the first time that i really started like actually figuring out that i can make money from this because i didn't really fully understand some of the people that did online um and some of them honestly like some of those bodybuilding prep coaches they still just worked with people in person it's just that they would spend a ton of time on these forums helping people out just because right and Mm so I was writing blogs every single week because there really wasn't any other form of social media. Eventually Facebook came out and it's cool when I present at seminars about coaching and business and stuff like that, I have like videos and screenshots of posts that I put on Facebook of me doing like ab circuits in literally 2012, like on Facebook. And it just looks, it's like horrible image, but it just goes to show like I was creating that long form content all the way back then. But the first client that I ever had was named Sarah and she lived in New York and she was like a, a Broadway actress, like not a huge famous one or anything, but um, she was working her way up and doing shows and stuff like that. And I remember she reached out via email and she just was like, hey, can you write my programs? Like I, I follow you guys stuff on Facebook. And I was like, oh, well, I live in Washington, so can't help you, sorry. And she was like, oh, well, I'll just PayPal you and you can just send me what to do. And I was like, okay, like I could do that. Um, and I just charged dirt cheap and I just started doing it, you know, and, and then it like, it, it really like fired my brain to be like, holy shit, like, this is really cool. Like I'm helping somebody in New York, this could actually grow and do something more. Um, and at first it was just training for me. That's all I cared about. It's all I did. Um, and, and like most people who are between 18 to 20 years old and they just start eating healthy. Like I stopped, I started eating like special K instead of fruit loops. And I stopped drinking Mountain Dew and started drinking diet Coke, like simple things like that. I lost body fat because I would put myself in a deficit without realizing it. And then I was just training and I was getting newbie gains because I had never trained before. So I got pretty damn lean from just doing that. But then I did a bodybuilding show. Um, and that's when nutrition became a big factor because I didn't change my training. It's just, I hired a coach and he gave me a meal plan and I watched my body transform and I got absolutely shredded. And then after my 12 week prep was done, he left and I was like, cool. I went on a cruise, gained a ton of fucking weight, left the cruise. And it was just kind of like, what do I do now? Cause now I can't even see my abs cause I just gained everything back and then some, and now I don't know what to do. And I started Googling and searching on YouTube and I found videos of Lane Norton talking about muscle uh, or metabolic damage sitting by his pool in Tampa, um, which is really cool. It's ironic because I'm having him on my podcast in a couple of weeks. So it's going to be really cool to, to hear this because he kind of full circle. Kind of. Yeah, he, he was kind of the catalyst for the nutrition side of things, right? Because mm-hmm. that showed me about reverse dieting. And then that led me to finding Eric Helms. I started digging through his stuff. Um, and I eventually was able to put myself through a reverse diet in, in back then and figure things out better and, and get to a good spot. And then I was like, nutrition is the key. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this soon, but that's actually what started integrating nutrition into my in-person training, which was like almost like a hybrid model. Cause it, it was taking what I was doing online with these clients for nutrition, but I was doing it with people that I was seeing in person. Cause I didn't have people reaching out to me from online. Cause I didn't have reach yet. Um, mm-hmm. And it just kind of, yeah, expanded into to more and more. Yeah, I think, you know, when I did the in-person training, because I would do the in-person training alongside, like, while going to school and even a little bit after I graduated. And I mostly would work at corporate gyms. And what really frustrated me in the corporate gym setting, so, you know, franchises, is they wouldn't teach me how to help people. They would just teach me how to sell people, right? And yeah. so it wasn't about helping someone move better or helping someone with their nutrition more. I really felt that I was going to better myself as a trainer. And then I didn't like just the sales portion of it. Um, I also didn't like how I was um, 
kind of forced to train people I didn't want to train. As a female trainer, I actually dealt with a whole lot of sexual harassment from clients. And um, I remember reporting it to like a general manager at the time. And he's like, you know what? That's just what you have to deal with, with being a pretty girl. And I had this guy at this point waiting for me in parking lots after my shift. And I was like, I'm done. I'm quitting. I am going on my own as a personal trainer at a separate gym. And when I was able to call my own shots, I realized the problem isn't just them showing up for this workout and training. The problem is, is what happens when they leave here. They still need a plan. They still need nutrition. They still need connection. And just seeing me one to, you know, three times a week for an hour just is not enough. 100%. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the math off the top of my head, but I used to use that analogy all the time. And I can't remember how many hours are actually in a week. Um, but it was like 168 or something like that. But like, the point is, is, you know, I see you for two hours a week. If you see me twice a week, you know, some people had enough money to see me three times a week, but even that gets expensive, you know, it gets extremely expensive. Um, but that still leaves 165 hours per week. If my math was correct. Um, but to, to your exact point, that's where a lot of people fell off. That's where a lot of people were, were consistently not getting results. And what I started to notice as an in-person trainer, um, especially before I got into the nutrition aspect and I did my bodybuilding show, which I competed in physique and once and never did it again. Um, I still love the sport of bodybuilding. I still follow it. I just haven't, I've been so focused on my business and things like that. I haven't had the desire to step on the stage, but um, what I realized is I was having these people come in and I'm like, man, this is such a cool, loyal client, but they've been with me for over a year now. I haven't seen much change in them. They're getting stronger. They're hitting PRs, but they still got that 10 pounds to lose. Like I'm doing everything I can. I don't understand what's going on. And once you start asking them questions about, you know, how's your sleep? How's your nutrition? How is your hydration? How is your stress? Like, then you start kind of seeing what's going on. But at the same time, most people are like, well, there's nothing I can do. I don't live with them. I can't hold their hand. I'm an in-person trainer. I see them in here. Mm -hmm. So I took it upon myself to, to start coaching them on nutrition as just part of what I did. Uh, I, I looked at things back then and I still do to this day, but back then it was just to me, I was like, I don't give a shit how much I'm getting paid. I know I'm not going to get paid much because I'm, I'm an in-person trainer. Um, and at the time I just didn't make much money, but I was like, I'm going to fill up my roster and I'm going to deliver value because I don't got anything better to do. I'm not married. I don't have a family. I don't have anything else. I'm going to pour everything I have into this. And that meant me emailing and texting people after hours. It meant me having every single one of my clients send me a weekly check-in on Sundays, even though I was going to see them in person during the week. And I literally had check-ins on Sundays and I would sit there doing that, even though it was, wasn't even part of our gym's program. But all of a sudden, everybody who worked with me was getting the best results in the gym. And mind you, I worked in a gym that was uh, more of like a private training facility. So we did have probably like two to 300 members there, but there was probably six trainers at most. So I knew every single person in that gym by name, even if they weren't my client. Right. So when you're one of those few trainers and it's not this huge global gym, you, people begin to see like a trend. Right. And all of my clients were just getting the best results, period. And I was the only one who went and got certified in nutrition. I was the only one setting up weekly updates. I was the only one doing any type of online style coaching within the gym. Um, and then my roster filled up, you know, and, and it was because of this thing that we're talking about. So I think there is like 
there's a limitation to a lot of people who do in-person coaching for that exact reason. Um, I think there's limitations in, in, in online coaching as well, you know, depending on the person and we can, uh, we can kind of just, uh, we can talk about what that is if you want, but um, I think that there's, there's pros and cons to both. I personally believe that there's more pros to online. That's why I shift that model. I think the, the downside of the industry is that a lot of people shift to online coaching because they think that they're going to be able to go kick their feet up on the beach and, and just email clients macros. And, and that's like, they're going to be their life for the rest of time. And it's just number one, if you have a successful coaching business, you know, damn well, that's not how it is. Um, number two, if you're not providing a lot of value, the person is not going to pay you anything. Number three, if you don't put work in, usually in the gym first, but let alone period, providing value for free and in the gym and doing those kind of things, like kind of earning your stripes, you're not going to earn the right to have an online business that even supports your lifestyle like that anyway. Mm-hmm. And you have to have the passion. And like one thing that you can't fake is passion. Like for me, I was making workout videos when I was 15, like how to get abs. I did barely had abs and I was like doing all these dumb dumbbell exercises like basically dancing with dumbbells but like I knew I loved fitness and I knew I wanted to help people and you're gonna see all that compounding content you got years and years like I'm sure when people look you up Cody they're like years 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 content consistent same messaging like you know it's it makes sense you know um someone that doesn't have the passion and I'm more so want to even pivot and say if someone is only making their Instagram about themselves and their body and their transformation and them, 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 and not about you and what you need and solving your problems. Like that to me is already a red flag because the person you hire should already be in a position that you want to be, and they should be overcoming things that you want to overcome, but you're not going to know that unless they share that content. And so in like the online coaching space, you get more support if you're hiring a coach that is providing you with value in multiple areas. So that could look like, you know, goal calls with your clients, like group calls that can look like your weekly check-in or conversations that you have with your coach on the phone. Um, I know some, you know, coaches will do the hybrid model. So you have to see like, where is all this value going to come from in my online coach versus like, I think people just get it mixed up of, I'm going to get more communication if I see this person in, in, in person. Yeah. And that's not the case. I mean, some people that I feel the most connected to, I've never met in person and it's all been virtual my whole life. Yeah. I have plenty of people like that. I think, you know, the only time I would say in person is definitely more valuable and obviously there's personal preference. So there's, I think there's times where some people just literally like the luxury of going to a gym and being around somebody and working out. I, I totally get that. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're just talking about results and connection and just general coaching, I don't see many pros for personal training that, that outweigh online coaching. I do still think it's important for most online coaches to spend some time in-person coaching because I do think mm-hmm. there's an element of human connection and interaction and, and body language. And, and even like, like I can't program properly uh, program exercises properly inside of a program if I don't know how a body does it in front of me right like what how am I supposed to use proper and coaching like tools different bodies too yeah if yeah. I haven't done it with somebody in person um, but I will say this like there are times where I've actually uh, told uh, more than one not many less than a handful but people of the years that apply for coaching with us that want to work with us that they should just go hire an in-person coach because they literally have never stepped foot in a gym before 
And there are times where it makes sense for those people when they're, um, you know, somebody says they've never trained before. Sometimes I can work with it, but if you see an assessment video and you're like, man, your movement is really bad. You have no experience. You don't know what weights to grab. You don't know how hard to push yourself. I think you should spend some time with a personal trainer, at least a few months, like just get the basics down, have the foundation mm -hmm. built. Um, it's, it's often why, like we have a training app and we've been asked many times, like, how come you don't create a program for like brand new people trying to get into lifting? And this is exactly why. Like the, the app is for people who already lift. There is a beginner's program, but that's a program for somebody who has already spent enough time at least knowing how to do the movement patterns properly. So mm -hmm. to avoid injury and to, to kind of build your own base and foundation, I think it's important to go with an in-person coach. But otherwise, I, I don't see any real value to that out, that, that outweighs online coaching by any means. Yeah, I mean, master the basics, learn all your compound lifts, learn even unilateral, you, you don't, oh, that word's getting me. You, okay, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you for saving me. Um, learning how to have like balance and all of that is going to be important, but in-person training long-term is actually more expensive too than online coaching. I mean, if you're seeing like a high-end in-person trainer, depending on your location, let's say it's roughly 80 bucks for an hour. I feel like that's a very normal rate. Um, if you see that person even just, you know, four times, that's well over $200 a month. Um, if you're going to see them multiple, like you said, two, three times, that's, that's a, that's a big, chunk of money in a month and so if you feel like you've mastered the basics if you feel like you can go into the gym confidently and follow a program the next step would be to get the help of an online coach and then the next step ideally would be able to be able to go on your own or go into a program that has less of a frequency of accountability and then maintaining mm -hmm. your results yeah I 100% agree I think that um there's a few things that are misunderstood by most, like just general population people. And one of them is, is the, how influential nutrition is. I mean, we all hear it. You can't out train a bad diet and it's just, it can't be said enough. I mean, at the end of the day, there's just so many people who want to go in the gym. They can bust their ass. They want, they'll pay as much money as they need to. They'll spend as many hours in the gym as they want. But until you actually commit to following a diet, you're not going to see the results, you know? And there's a lot of people, I've talked to so many people over the years that are like, yeah, but you know, tracking macros is tedious. I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But you just don't want results bad enough. And for some people that sounds like hardcore, like you don't want it bad enough. But I mean, it's just a fact, right? If I want to save money to take my family on a vacation, but I'm unwilling to create a savings account for it, then I don't really want to take them on a vacation that bad, right? It's mm -hmm. just a fact. So I think that people need to face that. And most people fail to admit how important accountability actually is. So going into an online coaching model where you have somebody checking in with you, whether it's once a week or multiple times a week is huge. There's actually research that shows having an accountability meeting once a month increases your results from at least 65% upwards of 98%. Once a month, like that's crazy, right? And, and this isn't done in fitness, but it's done in goal setting studies, right? Compared to a group that didn't have any accountability, they all set goals at the beginning. One group had a monthly meeting with somebody just to check in, right? Which is crazy because if you think about most online coaches, if you're not talking to your clients at least every week, I mean, what are you doing? You know, like that's very rare. I mean, it's pretty common. Everybody has the weekly update and most good coaching, you know, you will communicate a little bit more than that because there's back and forth throughout the week. 
But that level of accountability improves your, your results so much just from that alone. But most people have a hard time because our egos want us to believe that we can just kind of do it ourselves. Yeah, you. I think more so even for women, I, I see a lot of women thinking they have to do it all. And like, they should just be able to figure it out. And, and men too, especially men that have done sports, like growing up, they're like, I did sports. Why can't I figure this out? And it's like, did you have a coach during sports? Yeah. Okay. That's why, like, you still need someone to guide you. I mean, I'm a coach myself and I still have a coach because I like the accountability. I like the objective opinion and I manage so many other things in my life. I want someone to manage me. And I usually know what the changes are going to be. I know that. Do I does that mean that I would be better off on my own? No, because I still see the value of the conversations that I have with my coach. And so the difference too, between like an app, because like you can get your macros from like a macro calculator. I, I usually don't love like 90% of them, but it's, it's not the plan itself. It's the habits, the consistency, the accountability that makes the change. And you're not going to check in with an app and feel better and feel like that human connection versus like someone actually hearing you out when you say, I had the worst week of my life. I feel really overwhelmed. These goals are important to me. Can you help me? Like, what, what should I do? What should I focus in on? The app's just going to be like, follow these numbers. Like <laughs> that doesn't solve anything. That's, you know, really good points. I think that there's, there's been a lot of people that ask me that same thing too. How come there's no nutrition in your training app? And I'm like, because nutrition shouldn't be done in an app. I think training programs can be done in an app because it's a training program. You know, I, I, of course, individualized training is always better, but for people who can't afford that, most people can follow a pretty sound bodybuilding strength program, powerlifting and, and do fine. But nutrition, I 100% agree. And I think that there's a few reasons for this whole thing. And I, I actually have, uh, uh, I have a few things to say based on everything that you said, but I think there's a difference between men and women in this category. And I also think that the reason, because I have a coach as well, and I've been doing this for over a decade, but there's something to say about your emotional bias towards yourself when it comes to adjust something in your diet. Because, you know, I'm prepping for a photo shoot right now. And if I don't see progress fast enough, I will ignore every sign telling me that it's about to see. And most people know of like the whoosh effect to coach, like you're like, your body's just holding out and then it kind of drops off and you finally start seeing progress. What is it? Who knows? It could be water retention from cortisol. It could be just something we can't explain through science. We don't know. But the point is, is emotionally, if I don't see progress this week, I might be quick to adjust something. And my coach might go, mm, we're going to wait, check in again midweek. Like I think something's coming. And I can't, I can't really justify why he thinks that. But if he thinks that and I listen to him and it happens, now I just save myself from diving deeper into the depths for no reason. Right. So I think there's mm -hmm. value because a lot of times emotionally we will adjust too quickly or we'll program hop. Um, and having somebody else that is a, a second opinion is going to be better. And with an app, there's no emotional connection inside of that accountability. So number one, like you said, if an app tells you to do something, okay. But if a person you respect that actually cares about you tells you to do something, it's a completely different level of adherence that goes along with that. Because if you fuck up and you tell the app, sorry, I didn't do it. And it's like, okay, thumbs up emoji back. You're like, oh, well, that's there's that, you know, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really matter to you. And I also think that there's something to say about um, human interaction and emotions inside of adjustments that the app can't do because apps are formula based. And, and obviously that's a fact, you know, and nothing against it. I actually know people personally who, who have created automated nutrition apps that are great and I'm happy for them. And I, they're extremely smart. And I think for some people it can work, but most of the time, I think there's just certain adjustments 
whether it's hormonal or it's, it's more adherence-based or the person on the other side of the app is lying about what they're entering in and an app can't get that out of you. Like there's just so many things that a coach um, is gonna be able to, to, to pull out to be able to uh, coach that person better. And last but not least, in regards to, you know, you, you mentioned like women tend to think that they can just do it and they, they should know it all and, and things like that. And I don't disagree with that. What I have found in the difference between men and women inside of coaching and why they need that accountability in coaching typically is, is men, it's, it is more of an ego thing. Like they do think they should be able to do it on their own. They do think they shouldn't have to have accountability. They should. It's like the whole like stereotypical thing of a dude that doesn't want to ask for directions and his wife's like, just ask somebody. And he's like, no, I'm going to figure it out. It, it's kind of true, right? There's a reason that's stereotype because guys are that way. And I'll admit like ego and stubbornness has affected my ability to reach out for help in the past. And I've learned to not let that happen. And then with women, it's almost, uh, and this is definitely more prevalent in, in mothers, but I see a lot that they almost care so much about everybody else that they don't put themselves first. And that's part of the reason why they don't dive into coaching all the ways because they're so concerned with everybody else's happiness that they won't put themselves first and commit the time and money and energy investment into themselves when in reality, it's like, again, like the, the whole airplane analogy, you got to put your mask on first. Everybody listening knows that when they put themselves first, they're a better person, you know, and this is coming from somebody who runs a, a decently sized team. Um, I have a lot of clients myself. I have a family to care for. Uh, my wife who stays at home takes care of my, my daughter. I still like on the weekends when it's time to hang out with them or anything, I will still wake up earlier than everybody. I have to get in my exercise, my meditation, my journaling. I have to do my own thing and give me my space. Not because I don't want to be around you, but because I want to be the best version of myself when I'm around you. So mm -hmm. if I don't put myself first, I can't be that version. Um, so a little bit of a rant, but I think there's just, there's so much that goes into online coaching and, and really like human connection and psychology that gets left out with a lot of those apps. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is like, I mean, I've had some clients of mine, like asking me, like, like, what's the formula? Like, how do you know, how do you know when to make changes? And it's like, it's just, it's so complex. I mean, you see it, like when you first start, it, it is hard to kind of have, like, I call it the coaching intuition of like when something needs to change and how much does it need to change? And that's something that you learn through experience, but by no means am I whipping out this mathematic formula with every single check-in on what needs to change, um, especially when it comes down to the mindset thing. I mean, there is no formula for that. That is just understanding human behavior and each individual person. I mean, one of my clients, that's just a random name, Becky. Becky might do really well with harsher criticism of like, hey, we need to take ownership. What do you think you can do better? Um, and, you know, kind of harder words. While as Sally might need more words of affirmation and being uplifted of like, Sally, I know that this week was kind of tough for, for you, but you did do a great job with your steps or your hydration. So really highlighting their positives. But some of my clients need the tough love. And other clients need that love, that love and support type approach and human connection. It's a, it's a big thing with coaching and there's no formula for that. And the other thing too, is like, before you hire your coach online, interview them, get to know them, you'll see their vibe online and stuff. But like, for me, I'm not going to hire a very hardcore coach that says, I never give my clients compliments. Like they have to work for them. They have to earn it. And like that very hard mindset. Some people like that. That's not my thing. 
I want to feel good when I check in and I don't want to feel like I'm being like not adequate enough, if that makes sense. So you have to find what works for you and that's going to look different for everyone. Yeah. And that's another uh, really good reason as to why a lot of people should do in-person training, honestly, because I remember my, I remember the time the gym owner told me I had to be a chameleon and I didn't really get it until I, I went through a full day of like new clients after I got a little bit busier. And I had like a 20 year old basketball player. And then I had like a 67 year old lady. And then I had like a 40 year old dude with diabetes. And I'm like going through the day, like, whoa, I have to like flip how I'm acting with people still being myself, but like toning myself down or speeding myself up or matching their body language. Um, And there isn't necessarily a formula for it. Like you said, However, I do think coaches should do their due diligence in studying human behavior, behavior change, habit formation, even like NLP, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, which is like really the FBI and CIA and shit like that uses it. It's kind of wild, but Tony Robbins did a lot of it. And it's, and it's really understanding how to match people's body language, tone of voice, things like that to break down that barrier and, and open up them and have them feel comfortable with you so that you can actually tap in and help change their life. Cause that's why we're here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people use NLP for like sales strategies and stuff, but I've found it very useful for actual coaching. Um, I used the, the, I can't remember if it's the four or the five love languages. I think it's five, five love languages. That book, man, I I've used some of the principles in there to better communicate and understand what makes my clients feel more appreciated and rewarded and things like that. Like I read it because I wanted to improve my marriage, but I was like, man, this is helpful for my clients as well. So there's a lot of those different things that you can be studying to help you improve that psychological, that human connection interaction aspect. Um, And I do think it's up to coaches to actually go out of the way to do that because I don't care how much science, you know, if you can't tap into the person one-on-one, none of the science is going to stick. Yeah. If you can't communicate by any means. And that's something I did like the love languages thing myself. And I I know that I'm not good with giving words of affirmation. Now I think I'm way better. I made a big improvement. And this is something that I learned as my background uh, as a gymnastics coach, like very strict atmosphere. Like if a kid does something good, you don't praise them right away. You just, you want them to kind of be like on the edge of their feet. Kind of weird. I know, but I was used to that with coaching where if someone did something great, I didn't say great job. I just would like move past it. And it was more so like a, well, it wasn't a problem. So I just didn't address it. And then I realized, I mean, this was a couple of years ago. I'm like, I need to be better with my words of affirmation. I need to tell people when they're doing good, even though they weren't perfect by any means, like they made an improvement compared to last week and they need to hear that or else they're going to feel like each and every single week is a I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And then they're not going to feel good while working with me. And I don't want them to feel that way. Um, So words of affirmation is a big thing for me. And um, even just like little acts of service, like you can still do that. I mean, if you see a client struggling, there's plenty of times where I've sent them like, hey, listen to this podcast episode. Hey, listen, or read this book or this post made me think of you. You should read that. Like little things like that go a really far way because it shows them that you care about them as a person and that you remember certain things about the conversations that you guys have had together. Yeah, Yeah. I think that the big key there too is understanding, you know, like you kind of pointed like where you weren't the best at. And I think that's super useful. And I think people should start to try to figure out what their clients really want, right? And that's the whole point of the book. That's what I learned a lot from. Like, I know for me, I am words of affirmation. So you you don't need to buy me anything, no gifts. You don't need to do anything for me. Like, just 
tell me I'm great every once in a while. And I'm like super happy and I feel loved. Like that's all I need. Yeah. And my wife is active service. So she's like, you can leave me as many love notes as you want. If you're not like working around the house and doing some shit, like it's not going to, it's not going to work. So learning that for us was huge because I just started doing chores around the house and she was just like head over heels all the time, you know? And like, I am words of affirmation. So I was constantly leaving her notes and stuff like that didn't click. But when we started implementing with our clients, it was as simple as framing the questions a little bit differently, but asking them in the initial questionnaire, like how, what, basically what kind of, uh, what form of appreciation do you value the most? And we didn't pull it straight from the love language just because we didn't want to like literally use the love language, but mm -hmm. using it in a way for the coaching model to where we can literally figure out right from the jump, how is this person going to feel appreciated? Is it public recognition? Is it words of affirmation? Is it a little something special in the mail that we could send them? Like, what is the thing? And then we just know that along the way so that we can cater to that client's emotions to help them stay consistent, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but again, there's a lot of people who learn macros, they learn program design and they fail to think about this stuff like motivational interviewing, love language, uh, emotional intelligence, like these things and these books and these topics you can study are so powerful to really connect with somebody and get them to adhere to what you're talking about with the science, that that's what changes people's lives and it keeps them doing it. Mm -hmm, definitely. Cody, what would you say is your favorite part of being a coach? That's hard. Um, you know, I think that for me, it's, it, it boils down to, I, I, I did a, like a lot of work on myself to try to figure this out too, because um, it's, I, I call it uh, being selfishly selfless. And what I mean by that, because it's obviously an oxymoron, is that the thing that I love the most in life, the thing that I get the most out of is giving, right? So selfishly, like I want to give. So I'm not giving in order to get back. It's, it's giving that gives it back to me, right? And so for me, I just realized that as long as I can get a positive change out of somebody, my life is fulfilled. And sometimes it works to my disadvantage. And, and you know, like my wife even told me this, I did this thing recently I was really powerful. If anybody wants to try it, it's a practice that you can do for like personal development. Um, and it was called uh, seeking your soul purpose. And it's basically a way of finding out what your soul purpose in life is. And so I, I reached out to 20 people in my life that were extremely close and knew me really well. And it was a longer question than this, but I basically asked them, what do you think is my soul purpose? Like knowing me the way you know me, what would you say my soul purpose is? And uh, I didn't have any pre-existing like ideas of what they were going to say. And every single person said the exact same thing. And it was just basically like your purpose on planet earth is to just improve somebody's life in any way, shape or form. And my wife pointed out to me when she answered it, that sometimes it works to my disadvantage because if somebody's not willing to change, it will tear me apart because I will just keep trying and trying and trying, even though that they're never going to change. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it can hurt me obviously, but that to me, that's what I love about coaching. Like whether it's somebody who's not losing any weight, but I help them relieve stress or get a raise in their job, or I help talk to them about their relationship, even though I'm like, Hey, I'm not a specialist, but I'll talk to you about, it. you know, if I can get any win out of somebody to me, that's, that's what coaching is about. It's just about improving people's life. And, um, when I did that sole purpose thing, it really showed me like, that's, that's really why I do it all. And why I do the podcast, why I do content. Um, I'd also say it's, it's a really, you know, it, it aligns with my integrity and it shows in my content. It helps because there's a lot of people who put so many calls to action and sales tactics inside of their content nowadays that it allows me to still stay pretty authentic and true to what I do. And I think it actually helps me um, yeah. quite a bit because a lot of people just seem slimy. 
Um, yes. But, you know, and, it, and it's ironic too, because funny enough, I actually uh, started looking into my heritage not long ago and I'm, I'm Irish, Scottish on that side, my dad's side. And my name is actually Gaelic and, and Cody means the helper in Gaelic. Mm-hmm. It's really weird because that's like what I do is just help people. So it's like weird, very ironic thing. I'm not into like those kind of things necessarily, but um, yeah, I don't know if it answers it super specifically, but to me, that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, helping other people and like their wins becoming your wins, even though you guys might be in two completely different areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can think of lots of my clients, especially just like more of my older clients. It's like, they're just walking better. Like that's just like what makes me happy. Or like, I'll like randomly think about like little things or like one of my clients that wore a crop top and felt good in it. Like that makes me feel good. And um, I think that that's some good insight too of like asking the people around you. Although I was like, I don't know 20 people, (laughs) but (laughs) go ahead. I will say this. Not all 20 people got back to me. I will say that. Um, and I even had a couple of like really close friends that were like, uh, so like Brad Jensen, the sober bodybuilder, if you listen to this. Um, he uh, yeah, was I was like, on the show. <laughs> yeah. So he he was like, dude, I feel so bad. I still haven't got back to you. I'm like, bro, it's all good. And it's funny because I probably talked to him more than anybody. Like we text literally every day. But, uh, but it's, you know, like to me, it was even just having the amount of people I did, um, a little over half of the people responded to me and, and the fact that they all aligned, I mean, to me, it kind of gave me permission to go even further into what I love. Cause it just reaffirmed with me, like, that's why I'm here. You know, that's mm-hmm. my purpose. Um, and I think that's powerful. And like, I love the way you put that, like getting wins, you know, their wins become your wins really. And, and I can think way back. I, I, I mentioned Jay Ferrugia a while back in the podcast, cause he was one of uh, an early influence to me, but I remember him writing this newsletter or blog or something. I mean, fuck, almost probably a decade ago. And it changed my life because, and people have probably heard this because it was, it became really popular, but at the time it was the first time I heard it. And it was basically about like imagining your funeral. And it's very like, that's a morbid yeah. thing, but imagining your funeral and, and thinking about like how many people will be there and what are they going to say at your eulogy? And it's like, man, I don't want to be a, a, a set at a eulogy just like, oh, he was a real cool dude. Like he was really fun to be around. Like I want people, like multiple people to say that I changed their lives. I want multiple people to say that like they wouldn't have the life they have if it, was, if it wasn't for me. And that's a lot, like it's a big pressure, but, but pressure is a privilege. And I want to put that pressure on myself because I want that eulogy to be epic. I want people to truly want to say something. I want people to fight over who gets to speak there because that's like, you know, in the words of Drake, YOLO, we only have one life. It's like, we really should be trying to make the most out of it. And the only way we're going to do that is impacting other people. That's how you live forever. That's how you create a legacy. Mm-hmm. It totally, I mean, and that's also how you create a great life. And I think even make money. Some of the people that make the most money have created large impacts in the world and completely changed the way we see the world and, and use like technology and things like that. Um, and it's powerful. I mean, even like my dad, I, I got married in October and I, he had his speech and he was super excited, super long speech. But one thing that stuck out was he said, Nicole's a helper, whatever you need, Nicole will try to help you with. And she loves to teach. She's, he was like, even as a child, she would teach her stuffed animals and lay them all out. And I remember that. And like, I loved teaching and I loved helping other people and that's impact. And so you don't have to be an online coach to make this massive impact. I mean, 
you could be a teacher, you could be a firefighter, you could even just be the person that is so uplifting at your office and, and be so loving and caring for other people. Like you can impact people in a way that doesn't just include owning a business and just know that you have a lot, a lot of power to, you know, change your life and change others. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, I think a lot of people, some people need to create a little bit more self-belief because a lot of people don't believe they can make a positive change, you know, but, um, I always like to share people, my story with people. So I appreciate you having me on to be able to do that because you know, I didn't get into a lot of it, but before I got into this career, I, I mean, I didn't grow up in a good area. I didn't hang around great people. Um, uh, let's just say I wasn't headed down the right path, you know, in the fact that I flipped everything around and was able to create what I've created and help the people I've been able to help and change people's lives. Like it just goes to show that like really anybody can create anything if you really want to. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's why we created the tailored life podcast. And we have the brand tailored life because it is about tailoring your own life, deciding what you want your life to be, and then carving that path and building it that way. Yeah, definitely. And so Cody, can you, you told us a little bit more about your podcast, but can you tell the audience where they can find you on like social media or contact you? Yeah. So, uh, social media, I, uh, I'm mainly on Instagram at Cody McBroom. Um, I really don't do anything else. I don't do TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, anything like that. Um, so just Instagram, my podcast is the tailored life podcast. Um, and we put a lot of content out on uh, long form platforms. So podcasts, YouTube, uh, we're pretty active on now with two videos a week. Um, and that's just Cody McBroom as well, just like Instagram. Um, and then last but not least, the, the website, we put out one to two blogs every single week. We have free guides, videos are on there as well. Um, we put out a lot of content there. So Tailored Coaching Method is my company. So tailoredcoachingmethod.com is, is the website. Um, and you can contact me any of those places, Instagram DM, you can email me, Cody at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Um, I'm always here to help and answer any questions I can. Perfect. And guys, I'm going to have Cody's information down below in the description. So make sure you check that out. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at NicoleFerrierFitness. All right, now back to the episode.